Well, good morning. Well, that was nice. <laughs> I, uh, man, I look forward to opening God's Word with you this morning. Um, you know, there are some things where nothing less than all will do. There are some things where nothing less than all will do. For example, how much of the airplane do you want functioning before you get on it? I recently traveled, and, and the scope of the traveling, there were, there were four separate flights. And of those four flights, three of them were delayed because of a maintenance issue. Uh, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what those were. You decide if you'd get on that plane or not. Uh, the first one was, uh, and I don't know anything about engines or airplanes, but uh, the, the part of the engine that supplies oxygen so that the uh, plane will start was broken, so they had to bring some machine to supply the oxygen uh, to start the plane. Uh, that we delayed about an hour there. That one seemed serious to me, but who knows. Uh, one of them was delayed because of the carpet was ripped, and they had to repair or replace it, and that delayed us you know, a good 45 minutes. And then uh, one of them was delayed because there was a maintenance issue in the lavatory. And for those of you that don't speak airline, it means the bathroom was broken. And uh, we were delayed uh, for that one about an hour. They almost made us change planes because they couldn't find the part they were looking for. And so uh, we, ha- we had that. Now, as I think about it, some of those issues seem smaller than others. But as I think about it, before I get on a plane and I go 30,000 feet in the air or whatever, 400 miles an hour flying, what, what I want is I just want all of it to be functioning. Give me all of it. There are some things where nothing less than all will do. The question that we're going to wrestle with this morning is then what does God want from you? And I set you up for the answer, but I, I want to think about that. What, what does God want from you? Does he just want you to conform your outward behavior to a list of rules? Not unconcerned with what's going on in your heart, in your, in your will, unconcerned with that, just conform your life to, to a list of rules. Is that what God wants? Or, on this end of the spectrum, does God just want your heart and he's completely unconcerned with your outward behavior? Is, what, what does God want there? Well, well God wants all of it. He, want, he wants all of it. Not just some, he wants our whole heart, our, our heart, our behavior, our emotions, God wants it all. Now, we're in a series right now where we are talking about the values of Central, the values of our church, uh, you know, top, top seven values of our church. These are things that describe who we are as a people. They are our heartbeat. They're, they're the, the things that make our church go. They're the, they're the lenses through which we see the world and, and see our church uh, and, our, and our place in, in the world. And, and some of the values we've already talked about, we talked about scripture foundation, that, that our church, we have a scripture foundation, and everything we are, and everything that we're about, and the things that we go after, it all has a biblical foundation. Uh, we, we talked about embracing your mission field, that every person has a mission field, whether it's on the other side of the world or on the other side of the street. For some of us, our main mission might actually be within the four walls of our own home, but we want to be a people who embrace Whatever our mission is, we want to embrace it. Uh, we, we are a church that fights for the hearts of the next generation. And that what we, what we want is, we, we believe that, that our kids are not just 
like the future of the church, but they are the church right now. And, and we don't just want our kids to conform to their outward behavior to keep a list of rules. That's not just what we want from them. Really what we want is we want to fight for their hearts. We want to shepherd their hearts so that they love Jesus. And we want to fight for the hearts of the next generation. And, and we talked last week, uh, we, we are a church that understands that we are better together. We're not meant to live the Christian life alone. We're, we're supposed to do it together. And so a huge emphasis on our group's ministry and, and being together makes us better. Well, today what we're talking about, the, the value that we're talking about, is generous in all things. Generous in all things. We choose to generously participate in the kingdom of God. Everything we have belongs to him. And so we give our time, our talents, our treasure as a sign of our love for God and our love for others and the things he loves. Now at the very foundation of generosity is the condition of the heart. And so we're going to consider a passage today, Mark chapter 12. You can turn in your Bible, Mark chapter 12. And there Jesus highlights this very thing. He, he puts two kinds of people right next to each other. There are those whose, whose outward behavior is incongruent with their heart. And then there are those whose outward behavior might actually be unnoticeable, but it reveals a heart that's devoted to God. So there's going to be two types of people. There are those whose outward behavior actually masks their selfishness. And then there are those whose outward behavior flows from devotion. So we're going to look at this text, uh, Mark chapter 12, and we're going to look beginning with verses 38 through 40. It's going to describe this group of people called the scribes. And Jesus is, go, is going to show us, he's going to observe that their outward behavior only masks their selfishness. Okay, so look with me in verse 38 of Mark chapter 12. And in his teaching, that's Jesus, in Jesus' teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the feasts who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus observes that their outward behavior only masks their selfishness. So Jesus says, beware of the scribes. Now, who are the scribes? It, it kind of depends on where you're reading in the Bible to know exactly what is meant by scribes. But for, for Mark and his gospel, uh, the, the scribes were religious teachers. They had religious authority uh, over law interpretation. When I say law, I mean like the Bible. Uh, Bible interpretation. And then the application of that, the obedience of that. They interpreted and they showed people how to observe the law. They were concerned with the purity of the people of Israel, and they were also associated with the rich and the powerful in Israel. So as we read Mark's gospel, we see here in places like this where Jesus condemns the scribes 
And we know, man, these, these religious elite, they're wicked. But for the people living in the moment, they didn't necessarily know that. When they looked at the scribes, they saw, they saw people who knew the Bible really well, and I don't know the Bible really well. They can explain it to me and tell me what I should do. And so these religious uh, elite were more like religious heroes, not necessarily wicked. But then Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, yeah, but things aren't as they seem. Things aren't as they seem. Now, this interaction here, according to Mark, is one of Jesus' last interactions in public with people. And he takes this opportunity to say, beware of the scribes, which actually would have been uh, shocking. It would not be something that the people were used to hearing, beware of the scribes. Why would I be beware of them? They're the good guys. And Jesus says, beware, because things are not as they seem. And then he begins to list what they do. He says they walk around in long robes, a long Robe is, is uh, it's celebratory, it's dressing up. So that they, they got like a suit on, you know? They, they, they look good. They, they uh, love greetings in the marketplace. That's, that's their social standing. Matthew's gospel explains this a little, uh, in a little more detail. They loved when people would call them rabbi and teacher and, and instructor. They loved the honor and the exaltation they felt when they were greeted in public. They, they love the front seats in the synagogue. A, a synagogue is like a Jewish church, and, and the way the synagogue was set up, there was a box at the front. They called it an ark, but it, it's a box at the front that had the scrolls of, of the law and the prophets in there. And, and the best seats are the ones up front. And, and these scribes love to sit up front right next to the law where they could be seen and noticed and exalted and admired and then it says that they have the places of honor at the feast. They were invited to all the parties because of their social standing. And when they were there, they were, they were the honored guest while they were there. They had social prominence. That's what's being described to us. They had social prominence. They love their social status. They look important and they look holy. And then in verse 40, Jesus peels back the curtain and he reveals what's going on in the heart. And he lists two more things that they do. Uh, the first one is they devour widows' houses. Now, a widow is especially vulnerable, especially in the first century. And so it's particularly wicked to devour their houses. We could speculate on what specifically they were doing to devour those houses. We don't need to. All we need to understand is that they were going after these widows. They were deceiving them or stealing from them or whatever they were doing that was causing them to, to be even poorer than they already were. He says they go after the vulnerable. And then he says, for pretense, they make long prayers. Now, is making a long prayer wrong? Uh, well, you know, Jesus says they, they pray these long-winded, wordy prayers. And, and really, you know, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Matthew chapter 6, I believe, he teaches his disciples to pray. He says, don't pray like the religious elite. Because they pray these long, wordy prayers. They're probably, the, they, they say thee and thou in their prayer. And they use these big theological words of atonement and, and righteousness and all, all these big words. And they seem really, really important. Jesus says, don't pray like that. Because the religious elite think that if I use all of these words and they're really long, God will hear me. But he says, nope, pray in secret. 
and pray simply, and God will reward you in that kind of a prayer. So is it wrong to make a long prayer? Well, no, but Jesus says here, uh, what's wrong about it is not that it's a long prayer, it's that it's for a pretense. That means that they pray long prayers not from a devoted heart. They pray long prayers from a selfish heart because of what it looks like. Look how holy they are. Look how smart they are. And everyone is so impressed except for Jesus. He is not impressed because man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. It's not our fault. You and I can't look into somebody's heart and judge their motives. But man looks on the outside, but God judges the heart. And so the result of this, Jesus finishes verse 40. He says, they will receive the greater condemnation, even though they seem important, even though they know the Bible really, really well and can tell you what it means and how it applies to your life, even though they have this great social standing behind the scenes, their hearts are revealed and they are wicked. Their outward behavior, their outward righteousness doesn't come from a devoted pure heart, but for pretense. They want to be noticed. They want to be exalted. Their outward behavior reveals a selfish heart. Well, there's a second group of people that's acknowledged here in verses 41 through 44. See, there are those whose outward behavior actually flows from devotion. Let's look in verses 41 through 44 And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So this scene, the the kind of the setting shifts to the temple. When when you think about the temple, uh, the the temple has increasing levels of uh, restricted access as you get to the center. In the center, the Holy of Holies, you have God's presence. So as you as you start on the outside, there's increasing restricted access. On the very outside, anyone could come, the court of the Gentiles. Uh, but then there's, a, there's another level of restriction, and then it's called the court of the women, where any ritually clean uh, Jew could come, man or woman could come. And then there's another level of restriction, and the court of the Israelites, any uh, ritually clean uh, Jewish man could be in that court, and then there's another restriction, and, and it's the court of the priests. The priests could go there, and then another restriction, and another restriction, and now you're the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is, and only the high priest once a year could go inside the Holy of Holies. So it's this levels of access. Well, the treasury is not a separate building. It's in the temple, and it's in the court of the women. And in the treasury, there, there were these boxes, uh, 13 boxes that were set up there in the shape of, of a trumpet. And nine of these boxes, you would, you would uh, put in money, uh, a monetary gift, 
instead of bringing an animal. So if you had to bring a sacrifice, but you weren't real crazy about or were not able to bring an animal sacrifice from uh, you know, the northern part of Israel, you could just bring money, pay for the animal when you got there. And so there were boxes for that money. And then there were four boxes that were for free will offerings. So if you think about what keeps the temple going, you've got to have wood for the fire. You've got to have incense to burn. You have to have temple decorations that, that need to be replaced and fixed. And uh, you, you have to uh, pay for animals for some of the burnt offerings. All those things had to be paid for. And so you could give of your own free will an extra offering given to one of those four boxes. So Jesus is, is seated across from the treasury. That's these 13 boxes he's seated across from. And he notices there's many rich people who are putting in large sums of money. And, and the text makes no comment on whether that's right or wrong. There's no comment. It's just an observation. There's many rich people putting in large sums. And then in verse 42, there's, there's a, a poor widow. And she takes these two small copper coins which make a penny. Now that's a long English phrase. And Really, the, the representation of that word in Greek is actually just something real small. It, it's the word lepta. A lepton is, uh, literally translates to tiny thing. She, she had two tiny things, about that big. And they were worth one-sixty-fourth of a, of a day's wage. Like for a day laborer, whatever they would make in a day, one of those coins was one-sixty-fourth. What that means is this is a negligible amount of money. It's not going to pay for any wood. It's not going to pay for any temple decorations. It's not going to pay for any incense. It, it, would, it would not even be noticed if it wasn't put in there. That's how negligible this amount of money is. So of the two, which one impresses Jesus? Jesus says in verse 43, this poor widow has put in more than all those contributing to the offering box. That's not true. Because the rich were putting in large sums of money and she put in a tiny amount of money that, that you wouldn't even notice if it was gone. And Jesus says, no, she contributed more. And then he explains himself in verse 44. They contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty. It says, she gave all she had to live on, literally all her living. She gave all her living, which which one impressed Jesus the most? The poor widow. Why? Because she was poor? Nope. Because she was a widow? Nuh-uh. Jesus was impressed with her because the others gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her heart. She gave generously. She couldn't afford it. She had, that's a reason not to give. She couldn't afford it. But she didn't hold back. The amount was meager, but it impressed Jesus. So Jesus shows up on the scene and he shocks the people and he angers the scribes because he declares things are not as they seem. God is not impressed with religious outward behavior. He's not impressed with huge donations of money that originate from a pretentious, wicked heart. Rather, God is impressed with those who give of themselves truly and wholly and completely. And we, you could say it this way, God wants your whole heart, not spare change. And just because something is impressive to man doesn't mean that it impresses God. Jesus is impressed 
by a generous heart. And so because of this, central values generosity. It's a top seven value. And we say it this way, we want to be a people who are generous in all things. Now, now you look at this text, we talk through Mark 12 here, this text, and it's about money, and you hear the word generosity, and you think, okay, this is a money talk. You know, maybe you're getting a little antsy. Um, we're very specific with that language. Generous in all things. So are we talking about money? Well, yeah, we are. That's not it. Yeah, yeah, we, we want you to be generous with your treasure, because God is the one who's provided all that you have. We, we want to be a people who willingly, joyfully, sacrificially, generously fund the ministry here at Central because we believe what God is doing in us and through us. So yes, we're talking about money, but we're talking about actually more than that. We want to be generous in all things. We want to be generous with our time. We want to be a people who willingly, joyfully, sacrificially, generously offer our time to others and to the ministry of the church. You know, for some of us, time may actually be more precious than money. And that's a big ask. When you give your time away, you're giving away one of the most precious commodities that you've got. We want to be a people that are generous with our time. And we want to be a people that are generous with our talent. We believe here at Central that God has sent you our way. You are uniquely gifted to make our church better. There are things that are true about you that make our church better when you offer it to the ministry. And we, and, and we, we, want, we want to put you to work. We, we want to see you use your gifting uh, to the glory of God and for the mission of the church. We want to be generous in our talent. And we want to be generous in the way that we view and treat people. We want to be generous in the way that we assume the best of one another. We want to be generous in the way that we assume good intentions. We assume they, they, weren't, they didn't mean that. They weren't out to get you. They didn't mean it that way. And so we're quick to forgive. We're slow to take offense. We are generous in the way that we treat one another. We want to be generous in all of these things. The question is why? And, and you know, we could say this. We could say humans are wired for generosity. And I did just like a little bit of uh, online research and found a bunch of studies that say things like this. One, one study suggests that the giving of time and money to others lowers blood pressure. Uh, Generosity makes us happy. Giving triggers feel-good chemicals like endorphins, dopamine, and oxytocin. And generosity, one, one uh, study showed that generosity lowers stress or generosity extends lives. There, there's a study that, that tries to demonstrate that or it cultivates po uh, positivity or, or fights depression. And, and so we, we could say humans are wired for generosity. Uh, generosity is good for you. God has woven it into the fabric of what it means to be a human being. It is in our DNA to be generous. It makes us healthy. We could say that. But honestly, that's not the reason why we're generous. Now, this church, we, we would be generous if it was bad for our health. We clarify that. We, we have these 
these titles like generous in all things, and there, there's a description that goes under. You can read them out in the hallway. But, but our description says why we want to be generous in all things. Uh, the first one, we're generous because we want to participate in the mission of God. We want to participate in the mission of God. And, and really what we mean is as it is localized here at Central. And so what is the mission of God at Central? We have a missions ministry. L- listen, listen to what our missions ministry gives towards. Listen, listen to this. We, we give to something like these big organizations, one called the Cooperative Program. It's with the Southern Baptist Convention. And we give to the Cooperative Program, and the point of the Cooperative Program is to fund missions and to fund seminaries. Seminaries is where pastors get trained. And we, we give to a big organization like that. We give to the International Mission Board. Uh, missions in, in other countries. We give to the North American Mission Board, missions here. We give to these big organizations, but that's not all that we do. We actually, uh, our missions ministry under the leadership of Pastor Jim Rowan, we, we find places and, and things that we believe in and we give directly to those organizations. And so we, we give to local missions like, like the Austin Soup Kitchen or uh, the Texas Baptist Children. Children's Home, which is focusing right now on caring for single moms. We give to the Agape Pregnancy Center, Austin Bridge Builders, Sacred Heart Community Clinic. That's a ministry out of St. Williams, just right over here. They're our neighbor. We, we support their ministry where they have this clinic for people who don't have health insurance, but they need to get a checkup or they have some other medical things that they need to get taken care of. And so we, we help fund that. We give to Children of the King. That's a ministry for kids who, who just need a helping hand. We give to Austin Disaster Relief, Austin Refugee Services, uh, Round Rock Serving Center. We fund local church plants. Other churches in our community, we give them money so that they will be successful for the kingdom of God here in Round Rock. Uh, we, we give locally, um, and if you want to count these as local, you will here in a second after I list to you some other things, but, but we give to some ministry in Fort Worth, we give to a ministry in uh, College Station, and we, we are giving to help a church plant in Boston, Massachusetts. And so we're funding this I guess it's, those are local uh, ministries here, and, and it's, it's direct, but we also give and we help fund ministries on a global level. Now, there are, there are global, there are church plants all over the world that we are helping fund, and ministries, not just church plants, but ministries all over the world. And I'm just gonna rattle off some countries. All right, are you ready? Buckle up. We're helping with multiple ministries in Haiti, South Africa, Mexico, Spain, Australia, Latvia, Japan, India, Ukraine, Nepal, Taiwan, the Philippines, Romania, Ireland, Honduras, Kenya, Sierra Leone, Nigeria, and then some closed countries that I'm not allowed to tell you. But I did get one uh, permission to tell you one. We, we, are, are, uh, we are giving to support a ministry that's taking place in North Korea. We are... We, are, we have a vision for the world. That, when, we, when we give money, when you give money to the church, you're, help, you're helping to fund those ministries all over the world, but missions isn't all that we do. Our missions ministry isn't all that we do. We also invest a lot fighting for the hearts of the next generation. And when I say invest, I'm not, I don't mean just money. I, I mean people and ability and talent. We, we invest 
as we fight for the hearts of the next generation, we've, we've got a preschool and it's overflowing with babies. And we, we need manpower in there, you know? We, we need manpower in there. We need people in there to help serve, and you are investing by doing that. And we, we've got a kids' ministry, and we, we spend money, and we, we have volunteers in there that help serve and, and reach these kids and teach these kids about who Jesus is. And we've got a youth ministry. I, I used to be a youth pastor, and so I know a little bit about this. Uh, youth ministry costs money. You have to fund youth ministry, and when you give, you are funding youth ministry, but it doesn't just take money. You can't just throw money at it. We need volunteers, and, and there are many of you that serve in our youth ministry and teach kids and walk with them and all of the stuff that they're having to walk through in, in this generation. And we, that's not the only ministry that we do. We don't just fight for the hearts of the next generation. We do all sorts of things. It takes money, but it also takes volunteers, and it takes your talent. We have a young adults ministry, and we have a worship team, and we have a safety team, and we've got women's ministry, and we've got men's ministry, and we've got benevolence and hospitality, and we've got senior adult ministry. We have all these different ministries that take all of us and take our generosity to make happen. That's the mission here. The mission of God localized here at Central, that's what we're about. And we're generous because we believe in those things. We believe in it. And we want to see God do amazing things in us and through us. And that's why we're generous. Another reason we're generous is because it's not ours anyway. Everything we have has been given to us financially, but also our abilities who we are as a person, the things we're good at, the things we care about, it's all been given to us anyway. We are only managers of it. It's all his. And we wanna use it and steward it in a way that pleases him. Let me say it this way. We wanna use it and steward it in a way that makes our father proud. It's not ours anyway. And we're also generous because we love God and the things he loves. We love God and the things he loves. We, we love God because God loved us and was generous with us when he gave us his very best. He gave us his son Jesus so that we might have the forgiveness of our sins. And we love God because he loved us first. And, and one way that we show that we love God is by loving the things that he loves. What does God love? God loves people. He loves little children. And he loves senior adults. And he loves the hurting. And he loves the victorious. He loves the rich. He loves the poor. He loves the hungry. He loves the grieving. He loves the single mom. He loves the single dad. He, has, he, he loves the one who's fallen on hard times and, and it wasn't their fault. He also loves the one who's fallen on hard times and it is their fault. He loves the one who needs to hear about Jesus. He loves the family that just moved around Rock and they're just looking for a church. And finding a church is hard and God loves them, and God loves the family who's lived in Round Rock for forever, but they need community too, and they need to be known and loved and cared for too. God loves them. God loves people, and God loves justice, and God loves mercy, and God loves righteousness. And so we give, and we're generous 
because we love God and we love the things he loves. And here's one more thing that I'll tell you about generosity. When we are generous, it reveals and shapes our hearts. When we're generous, it reveals and shapes our hearts. Jesus says, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what we treasure will captivate our hearts. So when we are generous, we're saying, I love Jesus more than I love money. Or I love Jesus more than I love the time that I'd rather spend on myself. When we're generous, we're saying, I love Jesus and I love the things he loves. But when we aren't generous, when we aren't, that reveals something about our hearts, doesn't it? Earlier in Mark's gospel, these religious elite were in a dispute with Jesus. They were complaining about his disciples who, who wouldn't live up to the tradition of the elders. Why can't they just get in line? And Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah. He says, well, these people, they're, they, they honor me with their lips, but their, their heart is far from me. And he's telling them, you're really good at keeping all of these rules and making sure everybody else keeps the rules, but I don't have your heart. There are some things where nothing less than all will do. So what does Jesus want from us this morning? What does Jesus want from us this morning? Now, there are some of you out there uh, what you want me to do right now, as, as we're, uh, we're hitting the like, application part, you're like, okay, now give me a rule to follow. Give me a rule. So if we're talking about money, like give me, is it 10%? Is that what it is? Or, or like if I give more than 10%, like 15%, does that mean I'm really holy? Is that, is that, is that the rule? Or if we're talking about serving, how... How, how, how much time should I spend serving in a week? Is there a percentage? Is there an amount of minutes or hours? Or how many ministries at Central should I serve in? Is one enough or should I do two? Or, or does it have to be at Central? Can it be, can it be like a ministry in the community? Is that enough? Does that count? And you, and you, and you want this, this rule. Give me a rule. No. <laughs> I won't do it. I won't do it. And the reason why is because that's not what God wants from you. What does Jesus want from you this morning? Everything. He wants it all. Your whole self. The Lord spoke through the prophet Hosea, and he said, I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. In other words, you, you, can't, you can't earn God's favor by religious duty. Elsewhere, Psalm 50, uh, the psalmist Asaph wrote this. He, he says, well, the Lord says, not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is 
mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perform your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. That's Psalm 50. Psalm 51, David, King David writes after he sinned with Bathsheba and he says to the Lord, you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. What does God want from you this morning? He wants your heart. He wants your thankfulness. He wants your humility. He wants your contrition. He wants your brokenness. So look, I'm gonna stand on this platform and I'm gonna say, it is good for your heart to give money to the church. It's good for you. It shapes your heart in good ways. It's, It's good to give money to the church that you belong to and the church that you believe in. It's good. And when you give, we do our best to steward it in a way that God uses it for his glory in in this church and in our community and all over the world. And it's good for your heart to volunteer at Central. It is. It's good for you. It helps the church go, but it's good for you. You have giftings. Use them in a ministry that could use your help. Look, there are some ministries where uh, the, the talent that we need, the gifting that we need is willingness and availability. And you, you might be struggling with, I'm not sure how my gifting fits in here at Central. It might just be that you're willing and available. It's good for your soul to give your time. You know, that's part of being in a group. It's good for your heart to be a part of a group for lots of reasons. But you have to be generous with your time to do so. And it's good for your heart to be generous with people. To assume the best of them. To be gracious. To grant mercy to forgive with a tender heart. So how much should you give? I don't know. I do know that Jesus wasn't impressed with rich people who gave a lot, and he was impressed with this poor widow who gave everything she had. How much should you give? Here's what I'm gonna say to that. You should pray about that. And I actually don't mean, like, later pray about that. I actually mean, why don't we pray about it right now? At the end of the, end of the service, every week we have a ministry time, and the ministry time is an opportunity to kind of seal the message, let it sink in, and do business with the Lord. We've had the preaching of his word. When, when are you going to apply it to your life? And so I'm asking you to pray about it here in a second. We're, we're, the band can come up. You know, we've, we've got pastors and elders that you can pray with. The band's gonna sing a song. It's a brand new one. Uh, you may or may not have heard it. And you can sing if you want to, but what I'm asking you to do is, is to pray. And you can pray with your family. You can pray by yourself. And ask the Lord, what does generosity mean in my life? Am I being generous in all of these different avenues? And you can actually take some steps towards obedience right now, sitting in the chair that you're in. Maybe you need to get on our website, centralrr.com backslash give. 
And you can actually schedule giving right now. You could do it from your chair. Or maybe, maybe you need to find a place to serve. You can actually take some steps of obedience to deal with that right now, centralrr.com slash serve. And there's a form on there. You don't necessarily know where to serve, but you can fill out what you're interested in, and we have somebody that'll help you figure out what's a good fit for you. Or maybe you need to be a part of a group or lead a group. Guess what? You can go on the website, centralrr.com slash groups. And you fill out some information and we will help you find a group that fits what you're looking for. There are steps of obedience you can take right now. Or maybe, maybe what you need to do is forgive. You can't do that on the website. But maybe what you can do is take your phone out and shoot a text to somebody and say, hey, can we get together this week? Can we talk? Maybe they're in the room right now and you just pull them outside and have a conversation Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. I, I don't know what you need to give or how much you should give. I'm asking you to pray about that. And here's what I do know. Uh, the church in Corinth, Paul, Paul was asking them, they, they were working up a deal where they were gonna give some money to a ministry in Jerusalem. And listen to what Paul told them. He said, each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, listen to this, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. The call of the gospel is to give yourself away. So central, there are some values that are aspirational, who, who we're not quite uh, who we are right now, but, but we want to be. They're aspirational. This is not one of those. For 30 years of ministry at Central, we have been a generous people in all of the ways that we have described. We have been a generous people. Here's what I'm asking of you this morning. Excel still more. We have been generous. Let's continue to be generous. And some of you, maybe as an individual, you're not quite there. May the Lord direct your heart toward being generous in all things. 